Hello and welcome to For the Love of Merlin. I'm Sonia and with me is my co-host Mila. Hi Mila. Hello. Today's episode, episode 29, is Goblins Hijinks for Gold. You know, like cash for gold. Yep. (laughs) A joke's always funnier when you have to explain it. We all know that rule, right? Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, today's synopsis is Merlin accidentally releases a goblin that possesses Gaius leading the once wise physician to develop a taste for gold, ale, and magical jokes. We've talked about how I love the comedy episodes of Supernatural, and this is quite the same. Yes. This episode is the payoff of hiring people who can do comedy. Absolutely. Obviously, it's very well written, but if you didn't have the actors who could do it, it wouldn't be as funny. No, and we briefly talked about this right before we started this recording, that what makes this episode funny is really the actors and not necessarily just the joke. Because your writing can be great, but if there's not, if you don't have like a vessel to translate your writing into acting, into something that's actually funny, you can't do anything with it. It must be such a treat to be able to write this stuff with the trust that your actors are going to pull this off and it's going to be funny. It's not necessarily complicated humor. There's farting and belching jokes, which I don't always find funny. It's when they're delivered this well that they're hysterical and I laugh every time I see it. And everyone shows up so hard in this episode. Which I think it's awesome because it's fun for the actors too. And you can see that they're having fun with the writing and with this opportunity of making a very funny episode and taking a break from the very dark or suspenseful or other more stressful episodes where more serious acting has to be done and it's set to advance the story it's very important for all of the characters and this is you can see that they're having fun on this tiny break that they get they are totally enjoying it and I get to enjoy it we all get to enjoy it And they get to use this natural comedic timing talent, which is why they're having fun with it. And we get a much needed break from the seriousness of what was our kind of Morgana season finale, Merlin's season finale, and then a two-parter start to the season, which was very serious. And these writers, once again, have the perfect cadence of just building up, building up, and then like giving us an episode of fun. Richard Wilson and Angel Colby did the commentary for this, and I love that Richard Wilson called this the farce episode because it is a farce. And two things gave it away from the outset, which is the music and Colin Morgan's face, which just tells you nothing here is serious. In the first 15 seconds of this episode, you can already tell what the episode is going to be like. Yes, and even if I hadn't spoiled it and the next week on Merlin scenes hadn't spoiled it, you would know from the start, it's not serious. We're here to have fun. No, because just that opening scene with Michael Cronin, Joffrey's just not like just putting his hand up being like, nope, don't say anything, I'm busy. Just wait a second. And Merlin's face just is priceless. I love it. And we get an update to the library this season. Yes, I love it because we see more than just that first little room. Because that's what we saw in the past seasons. They would come in and there's a first little room of books. And now we can see that it's a big library. It's very large. It has wings even, east and west. So, you know, lots of books here. We touched on this. This is the season three budget. We're seeing it right here. Hooray for more money. 
Yeah, we're used to them just redoing the set deck of the room where they hold court. But this little side room is actually, if I understood correctly in the commentary, Gwen's house redone. And just got to do it right here at the beginning of the episode. The art department gets such a huge shout out for me in this episode. It is amazing. There are a million awesome props, just the coins alone, the chests, the thing the goblin comes out of. And then look at the set deck in this room and then the amount of times they have to mess up a room and clean it there's so much mess in this episode there's so many things that break and fall on the floor and get wet and it's amazing the very first setup which is the library that we see in this new wing expanded library that we get to see in this episode all the cobwebs everything is perfectly done it makes it look very old, makes it look like nobody goes there. It's everything is very beautiful. And you know, you know that I love the props. I've been talking about props, props to the prop people since the very first episode of the series, since the very, very beginning. It's a light, fun episode tonally, but that doesn't mean that there isn't so much to talk about production wise, even. And you might not get character development. Maybe you do. We'll talk about that later. But I can forego character development for a lot of laughs. There's this CGI to add the wings to the library that just looks great. The expansion to the rooms. It really does. And I love every little space we get to discover more and more of the library. They all look like great little spaces. And I love that they had to reshoot the scene with the Scooby revolving secret door because someone's hand was moving it and they had to reframe it so you couldn't see their hand. I love it. Also, let me say that I love secret doors so much, and I'm so glad there was one here. I'm so happy to see it. There's just something about pressing down a lever and having a revolving door that takes you into a new mystery room that just warms my heart for some reason. I'm 100% with you. I think my love of a revolving door comes from the million times I've seen Clue. It's one of my favorites, and I love that. It looks so perfect and magical on screen, but production-wise, things can be a wire or someone pushing it with their hand. And that's kind of the beauty of it, is that a simple, practical effect can look so amazing. And I love these kinds of mechanisms. I love it too, because they're very much used in theater. You move a lot of stuff in a set of a musical or a play on your own, like the actual cast moves everything. So it's nice to know that there's there was an actual person moving that door and revolving that door. It makes me think, when I see revolving doors and everything, it makes me think about mostly like movies about like the mummy because there's, there's so, so many secret rooms. There's always like some room that you're probably gonna go in and die. Some lever that you're gonna push and, and just unravel a giant rock that's going to kill you. You know, that kind of stuff. Indiana Jones kind of stuff. I just love action-adventure movies, which includes a lot of fantasy and these kind of not really horror, but more like a dark, scary, haunting mystery. And it's funny, like the mummy from the 90s isn't really scary, but funny. Yes. Yeah, it's like a comedy farce horror adventure. But I love... This episode, it's so enjoyable. And I love this opening with the idea that someone was standing there just throwing books at Colin Morgan. 
I thought about this for the entire episode. Every time that a something flies his way, which is there's a million times that this happens in this episode. I'm like, somebody's actually throwing that at him, trying to hit him, and he has to just swerve to just miss it. It's so funny how much of that happens. And even the music, I, I get so jazzed up about this episode, just like this fun, fun music. I talk about the music a lot in this show, and it's so good here. Yes, and speaking of music and sound, um, shout out to Mark Williams, who is the voice of the Goblin. The accent is so good. And he is obviously, if you are listening and you don't know, you haven't researched this, he is in Harry Potter. He's Arthur Weasley. So I was glad to find out that he was in another huge fantasy franchise after this. 100% I hear that voice and I'm like, there's something familiar there. And of course, Richard Wilson during the commentary said they've known each other forever. Obviously. So, of course, he was at the table read, but he wasn't on set because he was just doing the voiceover. Merlin follows the trail of disaster and as he's leaving, gives this look to Jeffrey. And Michael is so good with this character. Anytime that Jeffrey of Monmouth is on the screen, there's just something so calming about his character. There really is. It's like an older version of Sir Leon. Anytime one of them is on the screen, I'm so calm because these are like the people who actually make Camelot run. Who make things work every day. Yeah, they're the functioning parts of Camelot that aren't a complete disaster. But Merlin exits and gives him this look of like, everything's fine, and then gets out of sight and panics. Also just saying, hey, I found the book that I was looking for. You know, I'm just going to head out now. Thanks. It's a good thing, too, because we get home to Gaius, and now we have the bestiary so we can look up the goblin. I'm like, that's convenient. Things tend to work out with the books in Camelot. And we get the exposition that he loves gold, so we have our motivation for the rest of the episode. And that he can actually be dangerous. Yes, and still so comedy that Colin plays it like, oh, but he didn't seem that bad. Also, my question is, in this beginning of this episode, obviously my question is, why didn't you just use magic to trap him back inside of that box? I would wonder if he's told so many times not to rely on it that it's not a habit to use it, so he just doesn't go to it. Yeah, I see. There's going to be a moment many, many, many episodes from now. Okay. Where a character is going to ask him, why don't you use magic to do that? Because because in my head here, I was like, you are in a secret room and you are alone. This is the best scenario for you to try your magic and trap him back out of the inside the box. And you don't. I understand that, that there wouldn't be an episode if he did that right at the beginning. So I understand the purpose of not using magic here. But, you know, I have to ask that question. The real answer is because we need the episode to happen. Obviously. The in-world answer, I think, is he's not used to using magic as his first instinct and he's panicking. But I do love how there's this moment of, like, get back in the box. And he, like, really believes that the goblin's listening to him. I love, I have this in my notes, I love the pretending to get back in the box. Me like, oh okay, if I must. Jack's just like pretending to like put one leg in. I'm just like, just kidding, I'm not going in. And this moment of Merlin's utter belief, like, come on, let's go. It's great. Yeah, there's so much to love here. I This episode makes me joyous because there's so much to enjoy here. This whole thing ends up in Arthur's room, which is trashed and it's a problem, of course. And I don't even think about it as a viewer at this point, but he's there looking for gold and probably has a sixth sense for it. And it's there in Arthur's room. 
But then we go home. And while he's home with Gaius having a conversation, Arthur busts in. And because you're used to this show being so serious and Arthur walks in, what were you thinking at this moment? Were you thinking it was serious? Because he says, it's a serious matter of great urgency and extreme delicacy. I actually thought it was going to be something really serious. Well, that's because Bradley plays it so perfect. He plays it straight. The time that I found out that it was going to be somehow funny is when he asks everyone to not laugh. If you value your life, you're not going to laugh. I'm like, obviously, so this is obviously funny and not really all that serious. Which I do find the warning completely believable. Do not laugh. I do too. We can assume from Uther's personality he does not take jokes lightly. No, he doesn't. He could just deliver the line and it could end there, but the brilliance of this scene in the antechamber is the five seconds they spend after just looking at each other. Yes. Nobody's sure of anything here in this moment. Yeah, it leaves you to wonder. And then when they walk in and Anthony Head's amazing body language as a shamed Uther is so funny, as well as everyone's reactions to him, I just can't. I love the beginning of the scene when they come in and Arthur was father, and he's nowhere to be seen. And you can hear from his voice that he doesn't want anyone to see him. He's like, I'm behind the screen. And when they come in, I'm like, oh my God, this is so bizarre to see him without any hair. And A plus to this prosthetic. It looks so real. They did an amazing job. I thought the same thing. I'm like, this bald cap is legit. It looks very real. It looks like he's actually... For a second, I was like... Did they actually shave his head? And obviously, I just rewinded myself. I was like, obviously not. But this is props to the people in makeup because it looks amazing. It looks very real. Everything is so amazing. And then is immediately followed up by this brilliance in the hallway between Merlin and Gaius with Colin playing the slow progression of Merlin just losing it. It's very, it's amazing. And then the way his face drops when the line comes from Gaius of, hey, what do you think Uther's going to do if he realizes who did this? He comes back to the reality of the situation and the position that he is in right now very, very fast. And it's amazing. Yeah, it's a moment of, hey, don't forget this is Camelot. And if there's magic around Uther, you're dead. Also, you made this happen. Your curiosity killed the cat Merlin. Oh, while he's still Gaius, Gaius points that out every five seconds. And then... Merlin wants to know what the plan is, so they need gold for a trap, and I guess we're keeping it under Arthur's bed? That is hilarious. It's the equivalent of keeping money under your mattress. It's just keeping a thing of gold under your bed. I would take it as this being Arthur's stash of money. That makes sense. I didn't think about that, but that makes total sense, because you would... You wouldn't ask for money every day and he can definitely go and buy whatever he wants in the village. He wouldn't do it anyway, but he can give his money to a servant to go to the village to buy him whatever he wants. Makes sense. Yeah. And of course, Merlin ends up under his bed in the middle of the night. Arthur is the heaviest sleeper in Camelot, but not heavy enough for clumsy Merlin, which is Merlin like most of the time. So he knocks something over and wakes Arthur up and this slapstick acting is too good. The way Bradley kind of plays confused when he wakes up before he's alert enough to grab his sword. This whole sequence is hilarious to me and Colin watching him and him doing it is just too much. The physical comedy is so good of him just wrapped onto the thing that was over his bed and falling off the, the falling off the bed with a sword of his hand 
just made me laugh a lot. And it's just perfect that Merlin just takes a tiny bit of time to sit there or stand there and enjoy that moment until he called guards and he's like oh shit let me run away real quick it's confusion and laughing and what is wrong with you why are you the way that you are that's why he's asking himself it's funny because it's the one time merlin gets to see a klutzy side of arthur and it seems very easy to do that to do that physical comedy of getting being stuck on a piece of fabric it's just not none of this is easy this is it's just funny because they are so good it's too good. 100% bravo to Bradley for that amazing physical comedy. It's too good. And then it's followed up by this scene of the Firefly version of the Goblin going into Gaius's ear. What were you thinking at this point? Well, I kind of saw it on the previous next week that they were like, oh, it possessed Gaius. But I have to say that the camera is right on your face and all that you have is Richard Wilson's reaction to something that's not happening. He's not actually being, but it's so good. I can see it in his face that the goblin is like settling in to his body and like taking control little by little. And it's amazing. Yes, we are treated to Richard Wilson playing this progression of Gaius's confusion when it's flown into his ear and then the goblin's confusion taking over his body. That face is why he's a legend. Just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant acting. And Merlin is clueless, but there's the immediate giveaway of him yelling at Merlin and hitting him, which is not a Gaius thing to do. Yes. Back home, the house has been destroyed and, you know, Goblin Gaius blames the Goblin and says, look at what's happened. I'm going to the tavern, which is not a Gaius thing to do. Which can also be said about him yelling at Merlin like that. I was like, well, I'm just going to see what I'm missing. And I'm like, how do you think that that's a proper regular reaction for, for Gaius? You've been living with him for years now. Yeah, he doesn't know how to act like Gaius. But I do understand that Merlin wouldn't know that a goblin could do this. Yes. And I love it that he wakes up the next morning. First of all, he is coming out of his room, which means that, ta-da, another full night of sleep for Merlin. Check. Yeah, so rare that they should sound the trumpets, throw a parade, get the fireworks, celebrate. And I love it that he wakes up the next morning, Gaius is back from the tavern just burping, and Marlon goes, oh my god, you look terrible, you look horrible, something like that. And he goes, you don't look so good yourself, what's your excuse? Oh my god, that is such a line, I love it. It's so good because it's a line that I would love to say to somebody else because you're just making fun of them. And it's just so it's like, I look like this because I drank for the whole night, but you slept for the whole night and you don't look great. What did you, what's your excuse for this? It's such a yummy line as an actor. And this is just fun. You're playing this mean spirited, campy character, licking his lips in the lust for gold. And it's just like, so big as a performance and it's so funny and Merlin just thinks hungover Gaius is a jerk right because he decided to go to the tavern that's not regular Gaius but it's he's allowed to go to the tavern whenever whenever he wants he's a person he can go and have beers at the tavern right Merlin walks off thinking okay hungover Gaius is really unhappy and mean and we get one of my favorite things in this whole episode is this confrontation between Goblin Gaius and Morgana, where she's almost like season one sweet Morgana. Yeah. 
For a second, I forget she's evil until he pushes back. Because she's back to like season one, season two Morgana being like, oh, I can't sleep. Can you help me? Funny enough, because he stole her bracelet. Yes. But the second he says, why are you wasting my time? She flips the switch to mean, nasty Morgana. So the goblin here decides to go after her and says, your heart is cold and there's evil in your heart. From a writing perspective, my favorite line, I think, is, I can see the truth frightens you on her discomfort of being faced with who she really is inside. It's also just a really interesting character decision because these all fun and games and mischief. But here we see this moment of him being really insightful and his magic showing him truth. The This whole scene is very satisfying. And although I know that it's the goblin speaking, it's nice that he is in Gaius's body and we get to see Gaius's voice and body saying this to Morgana, saying, you play at being Uther's loving ward, you play it so well, you might fool Uther, you don't fool me. And she is shocked. And this time, I remember that you asked me if I thought the Morgana thought that Gaius knew. And I said yes, but now, based on this scene, I didn't think that she suspected him. And based on a deleted scene. Yes. Which I think would fall practically at the end of the episode, where Morgana asks him if he remembers anything he said or did as the goblin. And that's the one scene that got cut that I wish would have stayed in. (gasps) Me too. Not just because it's kind of a delicious scene from the acting perspective, but because... When she asks him this, Gaius makes a decision as himself to say, I remember some of it and leaves it ambiguous, which ultimately means that before this incident, she didn't suspect Gaius knew, which is crazy because it means she doesn't think Merlin confided in him. And he plays it nice at the end when he says, oh, I remember some of it, which by being nice to her makes her think, okay, he probably doesn't know. But as he walks away and his back is to her, he smiles this like sly, devilish Gaia smile of just being up to mischief himself. And it kind of feels like in that moment that the goblin has affected him a bit and he's now a little more mischievous than he was a couple days ago and is himself having a little more fun with people, which is why I wish it would have stayed in. I wanted that to be so much in the episode because after this scene... I stopped, I paused to like as I was doing my notes, and I thought, is he going to remember that he said this to Morgan? That's what I wanted to know. And then when you sent me the deleted scenes, I was like, see, I wanted this scene. I wanted this scene so much also because I love that Gaius took a minute here to just play with Morgana's head. And he knows that he's playing with her head, like planting a doubt there. And Because he knows, of course he knows, but he doesn't know because of the goblin. He knows because of Merlin, because he knows the whole entire story from the beginning. Yeah, it's a bit like, oh, don't worry. I knew before, I know after, I remember everything. Yes. Back to the actual episode, this scene is great. And I do suggest that anyone who has, I don't know, found it on the internet or has the DVD, watch the deleted stuff because it's so good. It's so good. And I so wish that they had kept that in. This begins a sequence of the goblin using Gaius's body and life to extract money from people in exchange for cures that are probably not real. And 
he hands over a vial that's purple to Morgana and the same one to Gwen. And I love Angel in this scene. I love the way they wrote Gwen in this scene. She pushes back on him. She's very sassy. She's like, I didn't hear about any plague and I've never paid you for a cure. I just love that she doesn't take him at his word. She's like, no, I don't believe you. And he also has a great line. This whole, obviously, I was an idiot for not charging you money. She is very funny. And I love this back and forth that she goes, haha, very funny. And he goes, is it? I don't hear anyone laughing. And I was like, oh, my God. You guys are just It's a lot. I love the scene of him going around trying to charge people for the cures that he's taking to them. I love the idea that he's making people make all kinds of funny, strange noises. He's like, if you talk, you're going to die. Like, this is it. This year at the end of your life. Just pranking people just in general, going around pranking everyone. Yeah, it's a really fun part of this character they've written of the goblin is that it's not just a lust for gold. He wants to prank them. He wants to mess with people. He could just use his magic to incapacitate them and take the gold and leave, but he'd rather go through the act of messing with people. Yeah. He takes the same purple medicine over to Uther, but what happens here is this epic scene of Richard Wilson slapping Anthony Head over the head over and over again. And Anthony Head's face is hilarious. I love this scene so much. I can't handle it. Honestly, it's it's too funny. The joy Richard Wilson plays and Goblin Guy is just slapping him over and over and Anthony Head having to keep a straight face while saying, is that really necessary? It's too funny. <laughs> it's utterly necessary, he responds. And I love the little like finger taps in between the big smacks. Yeah, it makes the treatment all that more believable of like, it's not just slapping, it's also taps and then slap. Oh my god, I think this is one of my favorite scenes of this episode. I just want to hug the writer who came up with this scene because it's a treasure. So great. It's not just seeing these two legends in this hilarious scene, but the vulnerability of Uther in this, sitting there and having to take it. He doesn't know what else to do. Like, this is the one person who can cure you if you have a problem. So if he says that this is necessary, you just sit there and you take it because it's necessary and you're wanting your hair back. Oh, 100%. Uther feels at the mercy of Gaius. So it's a hilarious dynamic. And this is followed by Merlin walking in on Gaius stashing gold, realizes he's the goblin, and immediately blows the element of surprise, I don't know, due to shock? I think so. It's kind of... I felt it was one of those moments that you were so surprised by something that even though you don't want to scream, you're just like, oh my God, what is going on here? It is 100% shocking. And we haven't even touched on the fact that he's just licking these coins. Angel asked Richard what they taste like. And he says, metal. <laughs> I'm just so delighted by Richard Wilson in this whole episode. And in this moment, the goblin presents the dilemma of, you can't do anything to me because I'm in Gaius's body. And I do like that Merlin makes a decision that he's not going to show his magic. Or he's just in shock and he doesn't. Yeah. And next we get to behold court. And starting with Uther's hat, and then the blocking of having Uther and Morgana and Gwen right behind her. I'm embarrassed to admit that until I heard it on the commentary... 
I never even realized that it was the purple bottle he gave the three of them that caused this. Yes. It didn't even click in my head, to be honest. What? Because I don't know. He's magical. He's very powerful. He made Uther's hair fall out. He didn't give him medicine for that. I don't like he, I thought I could fi- I figured out the link before the scene. I figured out the link of the purple bottle before. I think I laughed too much during this episode and a lot more during this scene that it doesn't even occur to me. Nothing does. I'm just laughing. It doesn't even matter how it happened at that point for me. But what it really is in this scene that's funny is Anthony Head's face. Oh my god. I mean, it's it's so much about his shock and the way he plays it like I'm not going to acknowledge that the women are farting and then his shock at himself. I mean, he's just, it's too funny. I don't know what to do with it. I could go on for an hour about how good he is in this scene. His reactions are so great. And his reaction to his own body of kind of like trying to hold it and not being able to and then being utterly shocked that that really happened in front of everyone is so good. So good. Which then brings me to everybody else because everybody's funny in this scene. A standout for me is Bradley because his face of shock watching them and not knowing what to do with it. There's just this feeling you get from the whole room of no one to say anything because it's Uther and Morgana and you can't and just don't. And Merlin is just dismayed at the goblin. It's amazing. Everyone is amazing in the scene. And then the way Uther dismisses court in embarrassment. He's like, now! <laughs> Leave! And that look that Angel throws over to Bradley, like the, the embarrassment on Gwen. Poor thing. She's so embarrassed. And last but not least, the look from the goblin to Merlin. With a little smile, being like, wasn't that fun? Yeah, back home, goblin guy says to Merlin, oh, come on, you can't tell me that wasn't funny. And for three seconds, I'm like, totally on the goblin side where I agree. It was hilarious. That was funny. You're you're correct. That was really funny. But Merlin is super angry and not laughing at all. Oh, yeah, he's headed. We rarely see Merlin this angry. This is as angry as when he smote Nimue. He does play this on two levels, though, where he's serious, but he's also in doubt of himself because he's like, well, what am I going to do? Because this is Gaius and I can't actually hurt him. And the goblin's completely right. Right, because he's trying to be really stern. Like, I'm being firm here. I'm going to talk to this to this goblin that's inside, guys, and he's going to listen to me. He's going to fear me and he's going to get out. But he knows because the goblin even mentioned a few scenes ago, you can't do anything because you're going to hurt Gaius if you do something. So I feel like he wants to be stern, but he feels a little lost at the same time. So he doesn't quite fully believe himself when he's saying this line. Yeah, and I would think that his character is hoping that the threat of his magic will work. Mm hmm. The goblin does even say you are powerful. It just is not going to work in this case uh, with this whole knife trick. I like this scene with the knife. Yeah, it looked good. It really did. From that serious moment, we go back to some hijinks where goblin Gaius goes to the library and calls Jeff fatty, which isn't necessarily funny, but it's the way he says it. I'm like, there's a, I don't usually, I don't enjoy fat jokes. I'm like, ugh, come on. 
there's a, and there's a lot of them in Merlin. There was between Merlin and Arthur a lot, and this is also. But um, this one at least I know that that's an actual mean person in there, and I'm like, yeah, they're trying to be mean, and that's why they're doing this. Yeah, I don't actually think it's a fat joke. Jeffrey's not fat. It's just the mean spirit of the goblin. Just like Arthur's not fat. That's really about Merlin trying to pick on something that Arthur is insecure about, which he shouldn't be because he's not fat. Yes. Merlin goes off to look for Arthur to tell him what's happening. And even though I've seen it before, I think it strikes me as really fast and surprising that the repercussion comes so quickly and that when he runs into Arthur, Arthur is already arresting him. Uh, The goblin has wasted no time. I was so surprised that this happened because, first of all, when Goblin Gaius goes to the library, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what he's trying to actually trying to do. I didn't imagine it was this. A, funny because he didn't actually find Merlin's real magical book. B, because what is a book on magic doing in the library? I mean, aren't those outlawed? Well, it's in a secret room. Right, right, because he was in the secret room and that's where it is. Right. And it may be a room that people forgot that was there. It seems like nobody has been inside that room in a while. I was very surprised by this. I didn't know that this was going to happen. I think this whole scene of them holding court and Merlin being under arrest plays really well for all the characters. Arthur is doing his usual bit of wanting to listen to him, Uther ignoring him. And for once, in Uther's defense, it is kind of crazy. Guys is standing right there, seemingly normal. And Merlin says, I have no evidence. I don't have any proof that what I'm saying is true. And Goblin Gaius has an actual real book that he handed to Uther. I mean, not everyone comes off well here because Morgana is a huge bitch. She's basically giving Merlin looks of, I could help you, but I'm not gonna. I'm happy you're dying. She's worse than the goblin. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, not nice, Morgana. And... Angel made a funny joke during the commentary about how you know she's evil because she's wearing eyeliner and lipstick, which is actually a kind of connector to Morgosa's look. Merlin's under arrest, and the goblin Gaius goes to the tavern and has a little standoff with Sir Leon. I actually forgot that he gives him the ale to make him sick. Yes. He starts this confrontation with poor Sir Leon, and the character's just trying so hard not to be mean to Gaius, but he's like, come on, man. Hey, not in front of everyone, at least. <laughs> That's what I felt like poor Sir Leon. He was really trying to prove himself in front of all of the other people in the tavern. He might even let Gaius do that to him if they were alone. But it's like, hey, you can't disrespect me in front of everyone. I'm just going to lose everyone's respect here as a knight. Come on, give me a break here. Help me out. Exactly. Rupert plays it so well, this energy of... I don't want to do this. Come on, man. I'm the head knight and I can't lose face in front of everyone. In classic style of these writers, it feels like something that just happens, like it's a funny thing that happens and it comes back later. Meanwhile, over at the dungeon, Merlin is escaping via magic. Not even going to say what I always say. You know what I think. You can't manage to do magic with keys without making them make noise. Every single time that he tries to get a key, there's lots of noise then. Yeah, he's really in need of some sort of silence bubble spell. With keys, at least, would be useful. 
I mean, where's the unlock spell? Like, Alohomora, like, what? what's going on here? He did use it on the chest. You know what? I'm not even gonna... No, don't go there. Don't go there. Moving on. He gets away, even though... You know what? The guards do spot him for a second when the bells are ringing, so good on them for once. And over at Gwen's house, she's being a badass because we all know at this point there's no locks on these doors, and she's just like, I'm gonna kill someone with this candelabra. I love it that it's by her bed, which makes sense. You would have a light near your bed. I love that she just grabs it and like turns it upside down to like hit the person in the head with the base of the candelabra. Go, Gwen. And on two levels, because go, Gwen. Merlin knows that she's the one he can turn to. She's going to believe him. She's going to listen to reason. Yes. There is actually a deleted scene just before he breaks out with Arthur and Merlin and Merlin pleading with him to believe him and it's kind of a classic scene that we've seen before on this show and Arthur is just like I'm stuck because my father sentenced you but see and I understand why they cut because this is a very regular scene that we get when these things happen and I understand that they were like okay we've seen this before we can cut this out but I kind of missed it when Merlin was sentenced um, to lose his life because he was doing magic. I ex- I almost expected this scene to happen, so I'm just glad to know that they filmed it because I was in my head. I played the, the scene in my head before even seeing that he was cut. Yeah, you kind of assume it happened because Arthur's sticking up for him in court and doesn't want to arrest him. He's not, he's not against Merlin here, but it's nice to see it deleted at least because then you know you're not imagining that it did happen in your head. You're like, that definitely happened, didn't it? Like Arthur didn't just arrest him and peace out and was like, nah, too bad. Speaking of Arthur, then they're back at court and Arthur's like, we lost him. Oh, well. And Gaius, Goblin Gaius, is so angry. He's like yelling at him for incompetence. And there's a moment when Uther's like, should I have Gaius beaten to death for talking to Arthur like that? And then just opts for, well, he is right though. Because at the end of the day, he's more mad at the magical person that ran away than Gaius that just screamed at his son. Oh yeah, Uther will 100% take the side of the person who's standing there agreeing with him that the magical person is bad. Kill magical person. Bad. But again, Anthony Head in this scene, in this whole episode, it seems like nothing, but there he is just sitting with it for a second. Instead of rushing to his answer, just sitting with it for a few seconds and really looking him in the eye like, hmm. Reactions are so, like, you can really see somebody's acting you can just judge i mean somebody's acting by the way that they react to other people just especially when there's no words well they say acting is reacting but really acting is listening more than saying words it is listening maybe this is obvious or maybe it isn't i don't know for anyone who hasn't tried acting maybe you haven't realized that the real difficulty of being a good actor is listening to someone really because you already know where it's going. You already know what they're going to say. So listening becomes hard and really listening and reacting to the person in front of you saying the thing. That's the entirety of what makes it feel real. And really listening so intently that it feels like you're listening to that for the first time. Yeah, that's the unseen part that makes it good or bad, which is why I love these moments of Anthony just like, mm-hmm, 
There he is listening. So great. So great. Just that minute, just that few seconds that he ponders, what do I do here? Yeah, the what do I feel about what just happened here moment. This is the moment where we get a little bit of the start of Arthur's suspicion about Gaius. Like, what's going on here? This is not normal. And this is, I believe, where you would find a deleted scene of Arthur seeing Gaius in public mistreating an old lady. And I think this is actually a good cut. I'm glad this isn't in the show because it gives us more of a sense, which is rare in the show, that Arthur is smart and can figure things out without being begged to see the truth that's right in front of him. Instead of needing to see proof, he gets there on his own without this scene. So it's a good cut because it's Arthur getting there by himself. I totally agree. And he makes that and makes the scene between Arthur and Gaius that's coming up a lot more rewarding for us. Yeah, definitely more rewarding that way. So Merlin is with Gwen and he asks her to go talk to Arthur because he can't because he's on the run. And Gwen is so sweet because she can't face him after the whole farting scene. And I love the way Colin played this moment of all girls do it. And then his surprise at himself and wonderment of like, don't they? It's literally like he's asking her. He's like, you tell me. I don't know. I don't know girls really. So I would like this information. Please confirm. (laughs) So funny. Uh, And then Arthur sets a trap for the goblin. And this is this is the payoff of cutting the scene with him and Merlin in the dungeon and him seeing Gaius in public being mean. It's a huge payoff to see him figuring it out, not needing to be begged or smacked over the head with proof. It's so satisfying. It's so satisfying. Really? I'm just so proud. I'm so proud. That's what I feel. I'm like, I'm so proud of you. You did it on your own. Because I'm so glad that this, because what we think here is that, okay, Gwen is going to talk to Arthur and she's going to convince him and then he's going to know. But no, things get flipped and we see the Arthur scene first. And that makes me so proud of his character. Yes, exactly. It's the surprising writing choice for this show because we know the formula. And this is a surprise. It's a curveball. And faithful listeners will know how much I love a good surprise. It's you don't want to do the expected all the time, but still stay within the formula that keeps people watching. And it's a whole elaborate plan. He invites... Gaius over there and gets him to slip up. And this is where the goblin really hasn't understood any of the dynamics, didn't understand the dynamic between Gaius and Merlin and takes it on faith of Merlin's just a servant. So the prince isn't going to care about him and keeps making the same mistake without counting on the one reality of this universe is that Arthur is super loyal to Merlin and vice versa. But that's the thing, because the goblin doesn't know them, he and he knows he saw Uther's reaction, he just assumes that they Uther and Arthur are a team and they feel the same way about magic or about Merlin, because Uther doesn't care, but Arthur does a lot. And that's the difference. Unfortunately for Arthur, the goblin has magic and clobbers him over the head and Bradley once again delivers one of these amazing faces he does. He's got just so many of them and they all are great. And I love their choice 
that he just does an incantation and leaves and we don't see what happened until later. Which at this moment, I get super excited. There are so many moments in this episode that excite me, but knowing what's coming and knowing that you don't know cracks me up. And then Gwen arrives and her face. I mean, Arthur is hiding in his room just like Uther was earlier. At this point, I just want Bradley to come on our podcast so I can uh, talk to him about this donkey braying he does. It's seriously impressive. Also, I love these prosthetic ears. They're hilarious. For a second, I thought it wasn't really him. But then the scene continued, and it is him, and I'm also very impressed. It's mentioned in a commentary. Richard was like, is that his voice? And she was like, yeah. It's so good. I also found out that Anthony Head has a couple of rescue donkeys, which is adorable. (gasps) Oh, donkeys are the best. They're great. And their ears are super fuzzy and fun to pet. And this whole scene plays perfectly. Because they're fuzzy. (laughs) I love that it's just the ears and the braying and... Angel plays it so well. The shock and then the kind of amusement and then enjoying petting him. She's so great in this scene. And the voice. Great decisions all around. Directing, acting, makeup, all of it. Writing. Perfect decisions. And the brief moment of her like petting and scratching his ear and he liking it and then remembering what is going on and then being mad. That and I love that there is one Bray you can literally understand when he's like, uh-huh. Yes. This is one of my favorite scenes of the whole show because without fail, it makes me laugh and lifts my spirits. And it's so funny. So great. The makeup is definitely amazing. Great makeup. So cut to Merlin's very serious face. And you don't even know what's going on for a second. He's just being serious. And it's him receiving the news from Gwen that Arthur is a donkey. (laughs) She's laughing that he's laughing. Yes. And he's doing the, I know I'm not supposed to laugh, but I can't really stop laughing because, wow. Because she tells him, like, Merlin, this is not funny. And he's like, "Mm -hmm. nope, not funny at all. I actually get bummed here for the character of Merlin because I want him to run into the castle and witness this for himself to get this one up on Arthur to see him in this state face to face. He does get a little bit of it at the very, very end of this episode, <laughs> you know. So they come up with a classic plan, not just classic because it's Romeo and Juliet, but now a classic for Merlin in general. Take a potion that kills you and then give you an antidote just the time to not kill you just a good solution as far as i'm concerned and we go over to what goblin guys is up to now that he thinks he's gotten away with it and he's basically torturing sir leon who he's made sick with boils and he's like oh you're definitely gonna die oh and the itching hasn't started well it drives men mad like poor leon it is so sad He's like, nope, can't cure it. It's just, he goes, itching. There's no itching. He's like, oh, hasn't started yet. But when it does, you'll never stop. You'll go mad and then you die. Rupert killed it in this scene. I love it. I feel so much sympathy for him. It's funny. The way he says itching, there's no itching. I just am so happy Sirleon is here. This is another one of those moments. He's so worried about it. He's like, oh my God, the itching hasn't started. 
I thought that this was the worst, but apparently the worst part of his haven't even started. Back home, Merlin is all grown up because he's doing the potion to kill guys by himself, and he's doing the potion to cure him, which about a year ago, he couldn't do that. He had to just kill Morgana and, you know, hope it worked out. But now he's learned how to do the actual antidote part, too. I'm glad that he's taking advantage of living with Gaius and learning non-magical potions so he can also use them when he needs and the time has come. I love the clever trick, too, that the poison's being poured over the coins because he licks the coins. And Richard Wilson did mention that Jeremy, who was directing the episode, kept telling him, I need you to relish the licking of the coins more. Like, go overboard, you know? Yes. And this scene actually gets a little sad for me because I know it's Goblin Gaius, but it's like watching Gaius die. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't like this. It is always sad, obviously. I I was I wasn't not sad. I just I just wasn't sad because I knew that he was not actually going to die. I definitely wasn't sad like it was happening, but it looked sad. It does. Kind of the way Morgana was really sad that uh oh, what happened? I'm being poisoned. It's just basically I'm saying it's good acting. It is. And then the comedy of errors begins and they said this scene was difficult to shoot. I believe it. It looks like a nightmare to block. There's a CGI character flying around. You're knocking things over, tripping over each other. It's crazy. Yeah, in this light, usually they do it. It's pretty much like a tennis ball at the end of a stick. And that's where you have to look. And that's what they're going to do the CGI after. But it's hard because the goblin in this scene affects a lot of the stuff that's happening around like the falling dropping everything it's just very hard yeah and Gwen goes so hard into this table and of course knocks all these bottles over and not a single label to be seen this stresses me out so much how does guys do his work it stresses me out too and I thought the same thing. I'm like, you couldn't just put the one antidote that you guys need for now in a different bottle than all of the other ones that are on the table? It is anxiety-inducing, as this entire episode is on one level that I imagine having to clean up and reset these rooms after they've been destroyed and then having to get them back to order. The poor art department, seriously. Yes, me too. Every time a vase breaks down or things are thrown around or anything i'm like uh they had to reset every time to film this scene at least a few times at least a few times there's no way that you're going to film a scene only once there is no way it's minimum twice if you get it a hundred percent right and if the director is like yep that was perfect i don't want to do this anymore but no it's more than that it's more than two times yeah, it doesn't happen, and it's a lot of work. Anyway, they cure Gaius, it all goes well, and can't skip over the fact that Merlin calls him an old goat in panic. Just these lines they come up with, like a badger's armpit. I mean, so many funny things got said in this episode. At least this time when he calls him an old goat, this time he's mad. He's mad for real because he wants Gaius to wake up and he's scared. So this time he's yelling for real. You can see. You can hear his voice. It is sweet. Although, 
we knew this whole episode no one was ever in any real danger. Yes, yes, we knew this, but it's nice. Back at court, you know, we're doing the whole exposition download for Uther and we're like, here's an explanation for everything that's happened. And I love that he mentions Arthur's donkey ears and it's like the spell still lingering on Arthur and he's like scratching his ear. It's just so good because it also seemed to me that Arthur was like, I didn't know you were going to mention this in front of everyone. We were not supposed to know. Yeah, Arthur's like, I was hiding in my room for a reason. Yes. But I feel like Uther's like, listen, everyone heard me farting, so everyone's going to know what happened to you too. Wait, the, the farting and the baldness happened because Uther had to get out to be a king and see people with his little cap, which I love. But, you know, people knew. But for Arthur, I feel like he did all that he could to stay in his room until it was over. So nobody could know about it. And then his dad just announced to the whole kingdom. <laughs> yeah, he's like, no, no, no. I'm taking everyone down with me. Great. And Uther actually treats guys with a lot of respect and doesn't blame him and says that magic can corrupt even the most honorable of men, which is a lot coming from Uther. It is a nice thing. It's not, and it's not untrue. It can. Look, look at Morgana. He's even less at fault because this was a possession. You know, it's not like his magic corrupted him the way Morgana has let it happen. Right. They take this chance to clear Merlin's name in front of everyone. And it being the comedy episode and being the only time there's follow-up on what actually happened is hilarious. Because this is the one time you get the question of like, hey, by the way, who let this thing out? There's so many times in the show where no one follows up and it's the comedy episode where they're like, wait a minute. I also love the scene continue on praising uh, Anthony Head's reactions. Every time that the box moves a little bit, he is so scared. He is so terrified of that box and what's inside it. It's too good. He's like, let's put that thing in the vault now. now. He's so scared of it. Secure it now. Kind of looking at Arthur like, why are you just sitting there? Can you Can you get this thing out of here? I love the idea that it's just a production person like rattling this box while they all stare at it. Just someone holding it being like, <laughs> just moving it around for a little bit. It's just so good. It's so good. We even get closure on Gwen and Arthur's embarrassment to each other and how they're basically just gonna pretend this never, ever happened. It's super sweet. It's a great scene. It's a sweet scene because it's very real. They're like, yep, we'll just pretend that never happened. Something I love about this episode is that everyone in the main cast is in it. Everyone's got a part to play. And it's a little bit also why I'm bummed that that scene between Gaius and Morgana gets cut because it kind of cuts her a little bit more than everybody else. Yeah. Instead of ending at dinner, though, we do end at training as Gaius and Merlin walk past Arthur and we get the donkey moment that Merlin just gets to laugh through and it's delightful and Gaius is laughing. It's such a nice scene and again that brain is hilarious and so is Bradley's face in this. Which I love and we also find out on this scene that Merlin has been doing some magic to undo the magic that the goblin did because all of those little flasks of liquid was really just to troll everyone and not real things that would cure you. So we learned that everyone's cured of their like 
blisters in their face or the farting or whatever it was that the years it was Merlin's job was Merlin's work that did this after the goblin was secure. And I'm not really going to get into it, but yet again, they're probably teaching Uther and Arthur the wrong lesson, probably telling them like, here's a potion that'll fix it. That's totally not magic. Of course, it would have to be magic to undo it, but whatever. It's fine. They get fixed. But you got to appreciate that there's one more Bray just for Merlin to enjoy it. I know. And I love that Gaius thinks it's also funny. And as the viewer, I love that it ends on this note because I get one more laugh with Merlin at the thing. Yes. Yes. There's nothing else I can say about this episode because it's just me being such a big fan of the acting, directing, writing, the art department. Everything about it is enjoyable. I have a good time during this episode. Such a fun episode. Such a fun episode. We needed this after everything. We, we did. We did. I needed this episode. This is where it becomes interesting that that scene between Gaius and Morgana is cut because that scene really reminds you of the dark undertone of what's happening underneath all this fun. Ugh. I, that scene is just so good. I really wish it was in. I really wish it was in. Uh, I wish we had like just another minute and a half to just add to this episode. But this episode is paced so well that I feel like I get where they ended up. It is. So... Next week on Merlin. It's just we're back to we're back to somebody's gonna die. Arthur this time. It's a melee. A melee. That's what it's called. Melee. Okay. It's a test for you to test your courage. And there's a guy named Gwayne. Is that his name? That's his name. Oh yeah. Gwayne. And there's other two guys trying to kill Arthur, but Merlin is onto them, as per usual. I'm interested. Don't really know what to expect from this episode, really. You know, I expected the regular, but I the reasoning and like I really I'm really interested to see what this episode is about, really. Yeah, I'm happy with this uh preview because it doesn't really spoil anything. So just you know there's gonna be a melee and I'm happy that Gwen is arriving so that you can meet Gwen. Hooray! I'm, I'm ha- he seems like an important person or like at least a fun person to have around. So I'm interested to get to know more about him. Yeah, no spoilers. But uh, Gwen is a name that comes from Arthurian tales. He's the name of a standard character from this world. And since this isn't a spoiler, I will say uh, I'm happy Gwen is here just so I can say that in episode one's commentary of this season... Uh, Bradley and I think it was Katie talked at length about how perfect his hair is and it is ridiculously perfect and that's not a spoiler you'll see it the second he's on the screen his hair is ridiculous important important information to know I love it on that note thank you all for listening all right see you guys